Right, we are live. Welcome to everyone listening in. Uh, I hope you are having a good day wherever you are listening to this. This is episode nine, and some of the topics that we're going to be covering in today's episode. We're going to be finding out about the life of one of the top UK student YouTubers. I'm not sure if she can believe that she's a top UK student YouTuber, but she is. We're also going to be finding out a little bit more about the life of a vegan. Uh, covered that last week, uh, but we're going to be going into a bit more detail, finding out some of the struggles and some of the things you have to overcome. Um, we're also going to be talking about the theory that we both really enjoy is uh, seeking discomfort. And yes, theory, it's a big um, social media movement that has uh, become quite successful lately. And then to wrap it all off, I'm going to be finding out more about like traveling around the world and studying abroad um, and the sort of like social issues, the the things that you go through about like second guessing yourself all the time and, and whether it's enjoyable and things that you learn and, and all that stuff. So to go through all of that with me, which is quite a lot, is Jade Bowler. Now, she's the co-host of last year, 2019, the Wooden Spoon podcast, which was number one education on Apple uh, podcast. She's also a content creator on YouTube, as, as, as I've already mentioned, you know, inspiring lots of people with, uh, to achieve really well in their acad academia and uh, school and tackling, you know, social problems and, you know, encouraging people to really achieve. And she's an excellent public speaker and has her own clothing range and um, is just generally a really inspiring person. So, Jade, do you feel sufficiently hyped? <laughs> that was a cute intro. Thank you. Oh, how are you doing, though? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Do you know what? I'm I'm going to university in just under two weeks. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of the end of an era. Like lockdown has been it's been five months in my house, to be honest. It's, it's flown. Well, I, I know. It's both flown and the days have just inched right. past. Yeah. yeah. Some of them have. I mean, I feel for the people who've been still working throughout this entire sort of last five months. But yeah, it is flown. It is flown. Um but some of the things that I like to do at the start of the podcast now is to let you take the stage for 30 seconds. Tell me what you're getting up to. What are you doing? What should people be checking out about you? Sure. Okay. So as, as Liam kindly said, I have a YouTube channel called On Jaded Jade. And I've actually been especially experimental in the last few weeks, which has been really fun, just really using it as a creative outlet. And I think this summer especially, I've been focusing more on... Uh, relevant social issues such as Black Lives Matter and feminism and uh, thinking about how I can package it in a fun, engaging, <laughs> chilled YouTube way, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm starting university soon and I'll be vlogging my adventures around the world. And I do go to a very strange international school, which is trying to revolutionize higher education. So I'm going to be me for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about like a lot of those things. I have lots of questions and mm. lots of things that I'm excited to find out about. Um, some of which might be, uh, you know, things people already know, but hopefully I'll ask a few questions that haven't been asked. That's my, that's my hope. Um, but yeah, I'm super, I'm super honored to actually be able to speak to you. I didn't think that this was at all going to happen. And I guess I didn't fully think it would until I have to give her a shout out because she's an absolute legend. Uh, <laughs> Rhea. She'll be listening to this episode because you're her best friend. It turns out she's our mutual friend, which is it's mental. crazy. I know. It's such a small world. Yeah, she raves about you. Do you know, I actually met up with Rhiannon two days ago. Did you? Yeah, and we chatted about this. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? Or what did you say? We were like, oh God, you're going on that bloody podcast with Liam Daly. <laughs> she takes the mick no. out of my northern accent all the time. 
Really? But I can imagine you take the mic out of her southern accent, so I reckon it's mutual. Sometimes. A little bit? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, okay. Um, yeah, no, she actually just said that you're like a big brotherly figure almost. Oh, in yeah, terms I'd, of I'd friendship. agree. Like, yeah. Yeah, she told me she she told me that she was one of the I was one of the first male best friends that she'd ever had because she obviously went to yeah. uh, an all girls school. All girls school. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that that I was since coming to uni that I was one of the all male best friends, which I found really sweet to find out because uh, I don't think anyone's ever said that to me before. So it was really it was really sweet. Yeah, I think but, you're slowly convincing her that not all men are trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we started off on a high with this already. <laughs> all men are trash but no that's funny that you uh that you were talking about the podcast god i was gonna i felt like it should be sort of like have you seen graham norton where it's like the red chair i've literally been using yeah. uh ria as like my production assistant for this episode oh, finding wow. out like all the funny little bits that that happens in in jay's life nothing that will uh um you know expose you but it's funny little bits that hopefully we'll be uh finding out across this but i'm excited i mean you you both went to would you say it's quite a posh uh like private sort of all-girls school would you say uh no it's a state school so it's a state, oh, it's school, a state school yeah it's i reckon you think it's posh because it's in the south if anything. <laughs> no, maybe there's a slight um, <laughs> <laughs> no i think our accents like i know i if i reckon if i heard my accent i'd be like oh my god like she's so posh but no it was just a state comprehensive school but it was definitely like a good state comprehensive yeah yeah i mean but it wasn't grammar either it wasn't grammar God, no. those grammar schools, no. though. <laughs> but Jade, you're like you're like chucking it all out the water now. I'm excited to talk about your, your like university and where you're going and what you're doing. It's really exciting. But you obviously have a massive passion for YouTube, yeah. and you started it 2015, 2014, 2017, 2017. God. Yeah. But God, still, check your facts, Liam. I know. God, I need a fact checker. <laughs> but regardless of me butchering that. Um, that's still quite young to, to begin. I mean, there's people nowadays that probably start YouTube at like 14 or 15 or whatever. Mm. But still, that's quite young to begin. Um, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you're still having experiences that blow your mind even today. I mean, you mentioned just then before we started about what was that that happened just today? Oh, yeah. So just today, um, a lovely subscriber just uh, reached out to me about her sister who is apparently my biggest fan and today is her 17th birthday and she asked if we could set up a surprise call for her and it was amazing because I, I sent out <laughs> this google hangouts so i logged onto this call and seeing the surprise in this girl's face when i just popped yeah. onto the screen it was she started crying it was it was really <laughs> strange because at, at the end of the day i'm just jade you know you i think yeah i think that's really interesting though because you see yourself as just jade yeah and i'm just wondering you do you know across the last three years four years you do must have moments where you think you know i am not just in some other people's eyes just jade is mm-hmm. it has it been a bit of a transition or, a, or or something that you're aware of when you're going through the last three years and and being youtube and being that sort of Icon, like icon. Like, I want to say icon. Icon. Oh, you flatter me, Liam. Um, well, I wouldn't call myself an icon, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the times where it really hits you, uh, I say two things. So, firstly, when I'm out and about, you know, just like, sit down on the tube in London, yeah. and the, the teenager next to me is like, 
Oh my god! You're unjaded Jade. Never just Jade, but unjaded Jade. Do people say that uh, to you? Unjaded Jade. Often, it's yeah, always unjaded yeah, Jade. Yeah. Which is it's pretty funny. Um, and you know, it just hits you that you know, they're like, oh, how was your holiday? I saw you got back yesterday, and and it's like, bam! It's straight into this almost friendship zone, which yeah. is you know unlike anything else where they know so much about you and you don't know that much about them. So it's quite unique. Yeah. And then uh, secondly. I mean, I've gone to things like film premieres and, and <laughs> moments where it, it crosses into what you imagine as more of a celebrity yeah. event and zone. And that those moments remind you that, oh, my God, to a lot of people, I'm I'm not just Jade. I'm, you know, this 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 online figure that somehow mm. warrants an invite to events like that. <laughs> crazy and now this podcast you're going up in the world jade and, uh, my, this is this is honestly the highlight of my career Liam. thank oh, you <laughs> i got told the story that you went to was it one of the hunger games premieres and you were running up and down what was the story oh i didn't go to a hunger games premiere i wish that literally would have been no i wish i did i went to um i went to this it was like a, a small disney film it was called a wrinkle in time oh right i don't know if you've heard yeah, it and, rings a bell. Uh, yeah, it was it was really cool because there was like Jack Black like right next to me and Kate Blanchett like right next to me, <laughs> and I was on the press wall, which I don't know if you know what that is. It's it's a, you know where you see celebrities standing against that wall and all the you have all those uh, photographers being like, hey, miss, look at me, hello. Um, yeah. And it's terrifying, and I hadn't prepared any poses. You know, I'm just I'm just Jade. <laughs> so I went on that press wall and afterwards some of the press they they called out they're like oh hey miss like what are you famous for and i just yelled back i make study videos (laughs) (laughs) rock and roll dude (laughs) yeah just like a lot of parallel life did you see that did you see that billy eilish uh video that went viral where she was on the red carpet and they had one of those uh hydraulic arms like slow-mo cameras did you, have you seen no, that? No, I you don't need, think so. You need to check that out. I mean, I feel like okay. I should. I feel like I should bring it up now. It's really, it's really impressive. It's, oh really? It's Go on, it's. Then. I can bring it up now. I can try and find it. Yeah. Um. I love Billy. I'll see if it's on YouTube. But yeah, it's absolutely mad. She. It's literally like you're getting you're getting rushed through the red carpet. You've experienced it. Mm. Uh, you're getting rushed through the red carpet, and some guy runs up to you with an iPad and says, "Do you want to try this out?" <laughs> It's slow motion <laughs> Grammys. Are you ready? Right, I'm going to share my screen. Hi, Billy Cole. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. I think I got, you were the n- number one most requested. So she's at the Grammys and she's about to, she's getting to do this right Let's do a fun one. high so speed slow mo thing. Slow motion camera. I feel like I've seen this clip. Quickly, I just didn't know it was from uh, here. Movement in I'm good. ready. So any kind of crazy fun thing, depending on how you're feeling. I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Look at the camera, it's like swinging. Oh my god. Right on, right on top of it. Uh-huh. Now I'm just bored a little bit. So it's, it's super shallow. But she bosses it. So this is where it's going to end up. I'm so ready. I'll say three, two, one, oh, action. Oh, It'll come oh. whipping up right there and you give me something crazy. Love it. Ready? And three, two, one, action. And it's just done. Boom. And it's like, you don't know what's happened. Okay. I love it. Yeah, it looks like nothing. Oh, this is the trend. That's oh the trend. Oh, because I've always seen this TikTok trend used to this sound where they do this like slow-mo of celebrities. I yeah. didn't realize it was from this camera. Mad. Mental. Wow. Absolutely mental. 
Liam, where's my slow-mo hydraulic camera here? That'll <laughs> <laughs> make a great promo to this podcast. Yeah, I'll get one for the next time. Yeah. I've got I've got to get a new studio first. Oh, God. I imagine that's quite a world away from your experience of the red carpet. But I mean, did you ever expect that you were going to get to that point being on like a red carpet? Oh my God, no. I mean... When I say I made study videos, I really did just start making a few videos about school and about my experience with GCSEs. And I just wanted to help a few people. I never imagined it would turn into a career and open up opportunities that, yeah, I just couldn't have imagined. I mean, like, I'm not trying to big you up, but you do inspire a lot of people. And, you know, that time, especially with GCSEs, A-level, going to uni and stuff, that's an incredibly stressful time. And, Mm. like, having someone going through it, I think, as well, you can relate to that. And, you you know, you you, you don't feel like you're going through it alone when it can feel like quite an isolating isolating time. Um, So I I think on that level, that that, that might be a... a, I mean, you're probably well aware of, you know, what people respond to best. But I think that's probably a big factor from what i can tell as to why people respond to you and love you so much and your personality just brings people together and and in and in so much about that and stuff is there anything is you're like going oh don't stop (laughs) (laughs) what do what would you say that you love most about youtube oh um i think it's just connection at Mm. the end of the day it's it's being able to connect with people that you almost definitely would never meet or would never see in real life. And just the power of video, it allows you to to inspire people and to enter other people's lives and to gain new perspectives from just sitting in your house. Like it's it's crazy. It's how new ideas can spread. I mean, I've learned so much from YouTube and I think it's part of who I am today is, you know, watching other people's lives and learning from people yeah because you have so much like day-to-day that you must have to do and you you know you set projects and goals and you have um a a large audience to appeal to day to day Mm -hmm. how do you deal with with that level of expectation what what are some of the things that you may be like do you have any like rituals like meditation or like you know, maybe lemon tea or something like that. (laughs) How (laughs) far does it go? (laughs) I don't drink tea, Uh, so I don't even know if lemon tea is a thing. I'm assuming it is. Herbal tea. Oh my God, Liam, you're missing out. Herbal tea is the one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like expectations and pressure. That's the whole side of YouTube that gets missed in the glorification of the opportunities and the fame and the exciting part. Like it's, it's, very stressful knowing that so many people are invested in your life and the fact you've almost signed up for people to have an opinion of you is very weird so uh, I've definitely gone through phases of just feeling really low and sort of yeah it gets a lot so for me I'm a big advocate of mindfulness so Mm -hmm. like yoga meditation I tend to start my day with either yoga or a meditation or some kind of exercise but just I never go on my phone first thing. Like I never go on social media when I first wake up because I have to get my head into this frame of mind to be able to accept my online position again. Yeah. 
God, I need to yeah. take a leaf out of your book. When I wake up, it's like straight on the phone. I hate yeah, it. I can understand it. Yeah. But it's just, it's whatever you make a habit. Mm. It's just what you end up doing. Yeah, I feel that. But it's, it's good to know that you actually, you know, are, are, are being an advocate for mindfulness and, and being aware of your like mental health. Um, but do you wish like almost you could go back to being less recognizable? Because I've asked this to a few people across this podcast, you know, people with big audiences. Because mm. the big passion I feel is making the content, not necessarily mm-hmm. the audience yeah, watching it. Mm. no it's not even I care, I care a lot about the audience watching it in terms of being able to like help motivate yeah. inspire but like I don't want to be famous I don't I don't care to be known in the street and I think there are definitely times where I've just wanted to just be invisible in the street and just uh, I think especially because I'm only 20 sometimes like I just want to be a normal 20 year old who like even for example, you're in the club, if you get really drunk and you're just a mess, like for an average 20 year old, it's, you know, you're just, you're just 20, you're just living your life. But when you have a platform, yeah. you know, you only need people to take photos and put them on Twitter and be like, oh my God, look, it's on Jada Jane. Like she's a mess. And <laughs> th- those are very real things that, you know, my friends who are YouTubers have to at least consider Yeah, I when you're imagine. trying to just be normal. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't really, uh, look too good if there was if it was me there would be so many photos of me just like falling <laughs> over bars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh god but like me personally when i started youtube was a lot younger than you did obviously we've had two different levels of success <laughs> oh. I, I was this i was this nerdy you know really unoriginal gaming youtuber um oh. but I faced quite a lot of like adverse opinion for, for my decision mm. to, to, to try and do YouTube and start YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And people who, who weren't, you know, very kind about it, um, you know, to the extent of one of the things I used to hate the most was when I was sat in like classes or whatever and people would play the video like in front of me. Like, cause, cause it was YouTube. It was back oh, in like 2013, yeah. 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the classic of YouTube at that time was like super high energy, like introductions, like, mm. like nothing like I actually was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sort of stuff. That was, that was the, that was the trope of YouTube at that time. And so that was how I used to present as a 14 mm-hmm. year old bearing in mind. So this is not like, you know, top level presenting stuff. This is like, this yeah. is like me just in my bedroom playing a video game. And, you know, people playing that in front of me in classes was quite distressing because I didn't anticipate that happening. Mm. Has there been any and times... Like being pin-picked for like every... Like nitpicking everything in the video in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not fun. Um, has there been any times where you've been criticised for, for trying to do this different career path or, or, mm-hmm. or felt slightly bullied or, or isolated in a way? um for, for by anyone i'm not looking for names i'm not like saying right let's start <laughs> a target list um but, uh, no. but i just in general have you like yeah i think it's inevitable as i said earlier it's like when you put yourself out there online it's like signing yourself up to allowing people to have an opinion of you and it's a different story when it's people in real life uh i think i was somewhat lucky in that i started in year 12 and I knew pretty much everyone in my school year. And because I'm not 
I don't like controversy. I haven't made a lot of enemies. And I think <laughs> I, I had almost like gained the respect of enough people that when I started a YouTube channel, they wouldn't like make fun of me. But did I hear, you know, little conversations happening like, oh, she makes videos about like revision. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, why would you do that? And like, oh, who does she think she is? Like, she's so full of herself, which I can understand in a way. It's like, you know, why am I qualified to give advice? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of that. And then as time went on and as the numbers started increasing and as the opportunities that people actually admired started to come about, like, you yeah. know, as I say, film premieres and working with brands that people really love. That was when you started to realize who your real friends were. And um, also you get people who like, I know that you like you were never a fan of me in real life. And now all of a sudden you're, you're like so interested in everything I'm doing. So I think if anything, it's very clarifying people's true opinions of you. Yeah. It can become, does it become a case of people? Can you almost tell when someone's just talking to you because they like want something from you or like, mm. you know, you can tell that, the, that, that they've become a bit more toxic in a way towards you. Have you ever had to cut someone off? because of being toxic um yes but not as like harsh as cut off i think more just a slow distancing the <laughs> um, gentle removal yeah yeah gentle removal for the for the better of all of us um yeah but even like when i first started youtube i didn't tell anyone about it i just put the videos up neither there did i well really <laughs> what a marketing campaign that is know, but <laughs> It's like, obviously they are going to find out, but yeah, it's just, I also think something that really helped me was like owning it. So when people do find out, I think the more secretive you are about it is like, it makes them feel like they can make fun of it more. But yeah. if someone's like, oh, do you have a YouTube channel? I'd be like, yeah, I do. And I really like it. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I respect that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like owning it definitely makes it harder to become a victim from what you're you're yes. doing yourself, which is like yeah. you know, you don't want that. But we're gonna. I wanted to I wanted to ask you this because I feel like let's make it a bit more positive as well. Um, <laughs> YouTube obviously opens up a lot of doors, and you've collaborated mm -hmm. with a lot of different people. Um, what would you say was one of the most rewarding? I'll I'll use that word uh, like projects that you that you've worked on with within youtube and with people that do that oh my god it's so hard because there are so many of them. um i mean i'll throw one oh out to you gosh. i'll throw one out to you okay oh wow i Go recently i recently finished uh you know jack edwards new book the universe mm. i recently finished yeah. that and you were a part of that you were you you, yeah. you had he was asking you questions about that was that was that a pleasant thing to Oh my God, amazing. Like my name and some of my writing is in a published book made by one of my friends. Like what? I'm even in the acknowledgements. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's mad. I think actually one of the best parts of YouTube is becoming friends with really like-minded people. Because mm. I think to be in this industry, firstly, you have to be quite proactive. Like it's all, you know, in your free time, you've just decided to make this and sort of set your own deadlines with it. Yeah. But you tend to have a lot of ambitious people. And you know, Jack, you know, he just wrote a book casually. And I think having a friend that writes a book 
makes it feel suddenly like an achievable thing. Like, oh, if I, if I want to write a book, well, you know, someone I know has done it. Yeah. And I think that's really inspiring is, is just, you know, having these, these incredible people be able to call me your friends. You can just tell when I was reading it, he is just so excited about reading it, uh, about writing it. You can tell he's like throwing yeah. in so many jokes. The, like, puns, <laughs> the puns are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hilarious to read. Um, and obviously really useful, filled with tons of ice. But one of the things that struck me the most mm. about that book is literally like the last, uh, the last section where he, he talks mm. about his experience of, um, what, what, what was it that he, he talks about his mental health journey and feeling like imposter syndrome, I believe is what it's called. Um, yeah. where, and, and that really like impacted me on an emotional level, like reading him do that mm. and, and speak about that stuff. And it, and it, and it was, it was really thought provoking to hear him talk about it and completely the opposite of what I thought someone like Jack would, would experience. Um, mm. well, did he, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you were aware of that before or, or did you find out when everyone else found out? Not that it's yeah, like some I sort mean, of like Hello Magazine sort of like. <laughs> yeah, Okay Magazine exclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we just like to put everyone on a pedestal, especially YouTubers. Mm. And I think uh, doing the podcast, The Wooden Spoon with Jack and with uh, Eve and with Ruby was a really good opportunity to have really open conversation about these sorts of things and about how we actually feel navigating like the academic world and genuinely i think everyone experiences things like imposter syndrome it's just people don't talk about it um yeah. i think especially in guys i think mental health and emotions are still a really hard thing to talk about I mean, it's hard for everyone but um i know like even with my brother for example it's i don't know it's just i it's strange how for something that impacts all of us so much day to day to not talk about it and not be open about it is is strange and I think mm. does us all a disservice and I hope that you know as times change and I think as social media is helping people will be more open and even I think the narrative around things like therapy is changing which is really exciting to see but yeah I love that Jack was open about that in his book I think it will help a lot of people yeah it was it was it was striking for me to read um but you're helping people right now with what you do so I think it's 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 all it's all helpful and you're right, there is still a bit of a stigma around things like therapy and men's mental health. And I think what you're doing and what, and what Jack's doing is really important um, to, to, to help those stigmas become more normalized. Um, Yay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, thank you. More people, I mean, we've probably already talked about it a little bit, but what do you wish more people would know about maybe yourself? Because you're not, I'm not trying to make you a spokesperson for like, all youtubers in the world <laughs> but mm -hmm. you as a person what do you wish people would know more about the things you have to do day to day with youtube life and stuff is it is it you know mm. um i think one of the biggest things is just like the pressure that i feel i'm under and especially because i you know people call us like influencers in, yeah in the industry and I really do treat myself as though I am an influence, like I have an influence. And I think a lot of people often tend to ignore that, but it's crazy how some, like every, everything you say can impact someone's life in a positive or a negative way. And as someone who strives to have a positive impact and be a good influence, that is hard 
unstressful um, because it means I, I'm already quite a perfectionistic overthinking person, but it means I, I just overthink how I word things and, and how I want things to come across and the mm. message in a video, like I'll watch it like five times just to make sure it won't be like triggering for someone <laughs> accidentally or, um, and I think that can definitely take a toll on my own mental health because I just care so much about wanting to like, make it good for other people yeah. that it can be yeah it can be quite hard i can kind of, i can understand where that where that feeling comes from and i wanted to touch on something because obviously the black Mar the black lives matter movement which is something you did cover mm. on your channel a question that i really wanted to ask you was did you feel pressured to address the issues because of mm. the influence you have and you felt that if you perhaps didn't address it that people would mm -hmm. assume that perhaps you don't support it or that if you did mm -hmm. address it but in the wrong way you felt like you might get attacked for doing that because mm -hmm. there was the full thing about the blackout tuesday uh instagram oh, yeah. post yeah there was the full controversy about how if you didn't post the yeah. black thing you basically were saying oh it's not important enough or if you did post it but then didn't also do a story saying check out you know these articles and these yeah. things and it's <laughs> like up for this yeah <laughs> And then if you just yeah. posted it and did all of that, it's like, who knows what's fine and what's not? You know, it's like mm -hmm. everyone's attacking each other. Did you in that way feel like you were pressured to, to approach it? Or was it more of a case of you wanted to clarify your opinion uh, and, mm. and, and, and educate and, 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 and encourage yeah. people? It's a great question. Uh, um, yes. So I've been self-educating myself on this issue for quite a few years and uh, I just never really talked about it online, partly because I just never felt like I had the right words to say or I never felt like I knew enough or could speak to it. And as a white person, like it's very easy to say things wrong. And um, now I recognize that it's really important to just say something and if you get it wrong, that's important too, because that's the learning experience and that's how everyone grows. It's, it's you know, being silent that nothing really changes or happens. But I think yeah. that whole period of lockdown where Black Lives Matter was becoming a bigger movement um, was, yeah, I think I definitely felt like a bit of pressure to, to say something or do something or address it in some way, um, because it's something I care about a lot and I guess had never, uh, given a space to on my channel because it just felt sort of away from the content I was making. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, okay, so I think because I had done all the research, self-research, read loads of books over the years, I felt in a good enough position to try and like make a video on it. But I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't already read a load of books. But then I can understand for other YouTubers, it's really hard if say this is the first time you're actually trying to learn about Black Lives Matter, I don't think you're in the position to, to be able to say something like truly educational on it. And then it was really hard to decide how do you go about it? Do you just share petitions and you know share the black square? But I think my stance is that saying nothing is definitely worse. And I think even just showing your fans that you do support it, is important and I think mm. the best thing that people could do if they didn't feel educated enough is to raise the voices of people who are really educated on this issue and to share the voices of black activists and to basically just raise black voices up I think 
was the most essential thing. And even in my video, I was really aware that as a white person, I didn't want that to be the only video that people were going to watch to educate themselves on this issue that I'm, you know, I can't really speak to as well as other people. So yeah, like even at the start of my video, it was very much like, here are a list of resources in my description. If you're gonna watch my video, then you are signing yourself up to watching this video and this video and reading this yeah. book and listening to this podcast. You made it very clear that it wasn't just your video and that's it. And then people are almost yeah. uh, pardoned from having to educate themselves yeah, further. Yeah, because I think people really do feel that is, you know, I've done something, I've, I've tried, I've watched this and, and that's that. And I think it's a really privileged position to be able to treat Black Lives Matter like an educational activity instead of something that like where you actually have to take action and make change and email people or yeah, people just like to treat it as almost a self-improvement exercise instead of advocating yeah. for real change. Yeah. I mean, there is that unfortunate thing, as you mentioned, where there is, there is a bit of a social norm at the minute where people have lots of opinions, whether it's right or wrong. Um, mm. And that and that can end up resulting in you know people being called out for for controversial opinions and things like that. But it's great to see that that you know you you tackled it and you gave people resources that they can use to educate themselves further. Would the just for me now? I mean, I, I've uh, spoken to people on this podcast who've given me loads of information to to, to work with. But is there anything mm -hmm. that you could suggest that people uh, that I could read or the people 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 listening or check out? Because that would be mm. useful to know. Yeah, sure. Um, I think a good starting book is Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. I've heard, I've heard that. That's, that's, a, that's one yeah. that a lot of people recommend. Yeah, yeah brilliant. I think if you're a non-black person and this is the first time you're trying to understand this space and understand how things that you say might be actually quite harmful and like fall into like white fragility. And if you don't know what white fragility is, there's a whole book called White Fragility that you can go read. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a, is a great book. I think uh, we often also like to, in the UK, distance the issue to America and demonize America and mm. look at the police brutality there and almost assume that the UK is not racist. Which that happened That happened is. very early on, didn't it? When, when all the yeah. stuff started coming out, it's like you saw loads of, I saw loads of posts on Facebook mm -hmm. about people like, berating america and then yeah, it took like, people oh, having to like yeah. yeah it never happens in the uk it never happens in the uk yeah. which it's it like, does just you know slightly it's always less been overtly. subtle it's always yeah. been subtle in the uk um yeah like microaggressions and yeah um have you read british so it's like british but british british no i haven't it's but a, i love the title it's a good one. <laughs> me too um that's a good one that looks more like the uk racism in the uk Awesome. Yeah. I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be keen to check those out. I'll add them to my reading list for sure. Brilliant. So veganism, right? Veganism. It, come on, it's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel people recoiling at the like preachy vegan stereotype. Oh, uh, I know it can come across so preachy so quickly, can't it? Yeah. <sighs> right. Last week in episode eight. I spoke to this mm -hmm. wonderful Italian and Italy is not well known for its mm -hmm. vegan lifestyle. <laughs> um, so, she, so her personal journey with trying to become vegan has been quite difficult. Um, you know, trying to be vegan in Italy and then moving to the UK and studying here for like three years, whatever. Mm. So her experience of that has been quite unique. Um, 
and obviously the main point of talking about these topics is talking to people who are currently um trying to trying to achieve that 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 goal and trying to Mm -hmm. you know be more sustainable but because of that it's never easy let's be real it's never easy i'm not vegan but i look at the world that we live in Mm -hmm. and it's not engineered for people to be a vegan like realistically there are ways but it's not you know at a fundamental level engineered Mm -hmm. no so in terms of in terms of the struggles, uh, Rio was lovely in uh, advising me some of these stories. Now, <laughs> <laughs> you started going vegan from quite a young age, or vegetarian. You start you started yes. making the transition from quite a young age, didn't you? Yeah. So I've been vegetarian since I was seven. Which seven? Honestly, do I remember turning vegetarian? Not really. I think. You know when kids go through phases and they're like, oh, I'm going to try being vegetarian for like a week. And your mum kind of humours it, expecting you to <laughs> yeah. go and eat chicken the next week. So when I found out that I was, you know, eating animals and I'm like, oh, but I love animals, mum. She humoured it for a week. And then I just stayed vegetarian for my life. And she was like, oh, great. Um, <laughs> and I was the only one in my family. And then vegan for four years now. That's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as you say, is it easy? Honestly, the start is really hard because lifestyle, like, you don't even think about it. Like everything that you just eat as a default, you don't really question it. And then having to suddenly learn what is in products. Like, did you realize that like this thing has milk in it? Probably not. And I can remember no. when I first went vegan, it was, it felt like I just couldn't eat anything. It felt like I was just going through the supermarket, like, oh my God, I'm going to starve. Like, there's just nothing that doesn't have egg or milk. Yeah. It, yeah. it sounds very difficult. Now, I love this story that hopefully you're about to tell. <laughs> and it's it's of your beginning struggles with, with, yeah. trying to, with trying to, you know, figure out in the world what's fine and what's not. Now, what, what's, what's this story like? Um, you, you found a restaurant that you loved. What, what, mm-hmm. what, what, what happened? Okay, so I went with Rhiannon to a restaurant. I can't remember which restaurant it was. Um, but I didn't do my research, you know, to see if there's like vegan options. So we go there and uh, I'm like, oh, hi, excuse me, do you, do you have any vegan options? Um, and there was actually like nothing. And I felt so <laughs> bad because I just like dragged my friend out to a cafe hoping that we can, you know, have a nice time. And to my memory, I literally just sat and ate like leaves. Like, like there was just like nothing there for <laughs> me in this restaurant. Yeah, and I think like in the last few years, veganism has changed a lot in restaurants. Like there's a lot more options in the UK. But back then I actually used to dread going out with my friends for, for vegan for, for meals. meals. Yeah, for meals, because I would either have to be really awkward and make sure there was a restaurant that had options or I would just have to like, I don't know, just eat whatever the restaurant could make for me, which was often not, not that brilliant. It almost makes you feel like a burden in some way. Like yeah, having to start, request. Yeah, I really felt like that. Yeah. yeah. What, is this, what is this story that I heard about you ending up at an, an anonymous rally in Brighton? How, how does that happen? Do you remember? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, in Brighton. Oh, I don't remember how we got there. I just remember coming out of this restaurant and um, yeah, I don't know if you know that much about like, um, like vegan rallies, but people often wear masks and they have like a laptop showing um, like 
stuff that goes on in slaughterhouses and the idea is that the public who are walking past who would never actively seek out to see the behind the scenes of how meat is made yeah will we'll just see it on the laptop and just have to face the consequences um <laughs> yeah and oh my god what actually happened i think we came out and then we were looking at it and then like one of the girls with the laptop was a big fan of me and like came over and was like oh my Classic. god jade yeah like jade this is amazing you're here and i was like yeah like wow you're doing amazing things like this is really cool i can't remember did, any else, did anything else happen what did rihanna tell you oh no apparently you would be, you became like a spokesperson for the event and was like stood on like some sort of like i don't know you were doing some sort Wait, of like really <laughs> i don't remember this maybe i feel like that's something i would do <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but no that's funny that is interesting yeah, yeah. and but... i think it's just disappointing that veganism does have this this preachy reputation because i think it it sort of like derails the movement it's like oh you say you say you're vegan and and people just sort of yeah become defensive as though you're gonna attack their diet instead of wanting to just like have a conversation yeah gonna whip that steak right out from in front of them yeah like shame on you no yeah <laughs> that's like a group shaming oh no uh, oh dear so from my perspective my friend went vegan for veganuary mm. uh this year and Oh, it was it was it was it was actually quite inspiring to see them make the change um because they're german and you know i'm not mm. stereotyping it but german is quite like you know it's well known for its sausage and its you know meats and and beer and things like that and and i don't think she was you know anticipating perhaps how difficult it might actually be um she ended up getting quite ill uh after mm. maybe 3 or 4 weeks of the diet um and i know she did it wrong and I can tell you why she did mm-hmm. it wrong because I got in touch with her to tell me how she did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it basically just boiled down to the fact that she didn't end up eating enough protein and she didn't end up eating enough fats. Um, mm-hmm. Two things that if you do actually have a lack of, you can get quite ill, turns out. Um, mm-hmm. And finding the variety of foods to, to, to provide those nutrients isn't always the easiest for someone who is just trying it on a whim for like one month. Um, and... You can almost see that as being a reason why some people then don't end up making the change. Mm-hmm. Trying not to be too preachy <laughs> about it. <laughs> How would you yeah. say you you best go about making making a change? Make make you know is veganuary a good place to start and maybe do more research leading up to it so you don't mm-hmm. maybe make yourself so ill. Yeah, I think you're so right. So many people go vegan and you know, end up with a deficiency in something and then say, oh, well, you know, all these vegans are just so unhealthy and malnourished and like, I don't know how they do it. And as I said at the start, it can feel so overwhelming when you have to change your diet because you don't necessarily know all the stuff that you can eat. So you end up eating like, I don't know, like plain pasta and, and like bread and just like basic items that you probably would have had with a meat accompaniment, but you just like took yeah. out the meat and expected that you'd be fine. And I think uh, also if you 
if you don't like vegetables or fruit that much <laughs> you're screwed you, yeah i mean like my brother is now vegan and he hated vegetables and it was a steep learning curve for him to <laughs> just like well this is it mate learn to like them. yeah and it is really it is really doable being vegan and it's not that expensive as long as you don't only buy the fancy substitutes which you don't have to but yeah. um yeah i think as long as you make sure you eat things like legumes like chickpeas and quinoa and quinoa. um yeah quinoa. it's names. actually like really easy to make quinoa it's like as easy as pasta it's just you feel a bit fancier um and like beans you can just get like a tin of beans and stir fry it with vegetables and noodles um it's it's all about variety and i think uh, understanding your sources of plant-based protein are probably the most important thing going in but everyone you know it seems like oh my god if you don't eat meat you're just not going to have protein and as someone who's not having meat since they were seven it's not true you can definitely get enough protein <laughs> and my brother he's on a workout kick this boy he exercises like three times a day and he's you know he's gaining loads of muscle and he's vegan um yeah so i would say just definitely definitely do some research check out youtubers who make what i eat in a days and yeah plugs plugs own channel <laughs> <laughs> no i don't make that many videos about that but yeah oh dear what you mentioned like you know uh meal alternatives and i'm personally of the opinion that if someone changes their diet like that they shouldn't go for uh branded meal alternatives um mm -hmm. You know, things like prepackaged like meals and, and stuff like that. It's easy and convenient, I suppose. But if mm -hmm. you're gonna do a diet, you know, people don't eat packaged meals regularly on a on a on a uh, meat diet. So they shouldn't do the same if you're gonna if you're gonna change it to 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 a vegan diet. You should try and find recipes and things like that. Is there anything that you're eating at the moment that you're really you're really vibing with that you really enjoy? Oh my God. <laughs> Any particular meals that you that you're enjoying oh. at the moment? Um, I always love a good curry, like a chickpea curry is always brilliant. Okay. And it's just so easy. And you can use like coconut milk. So you use like coconut milk to like yeah, thicken yeah. it and like make the sauce. Um, just use like a load of spices. It's really easy to get from the supermarket. Just like whatever vegetables I fancy, I'll just chuck in there. Um, and then you can get, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Vivera, but they Vivera. are. Vivera, mm. a wonderful uh, plant-based meat alternative. And I found them in lockdown yeah. and they're just amazing. And they have this like veggie shawarma meat. And it's like the best thing I've ever tasted. It's literally amazing. And sometimes I'll just chuck that in my curry with like some rice. And it's a really easy meal. And I often like yeah. bulk make it and then like meal prep for like a few days. Yeah, I recommend that. That sounds really good. That sounds really yeah. good. Yeah, really so good. I try and I'm gonna try and make this a bit more studenty now, because um, uh -huh. yeah, obviously we're like, both at, we're both yeah. at university. Um, we're not about that. Like, <laughs> you know, you've got a budget. You've got a budget. Let's be honest. Of course. Um, so what I thought we'd do is we'd react to one of the most viewed, easy, friendly vegan Ooh. meal videos on YouTube. You may have okay. already watched it. I don't. I I doubt you have. Um, but. It, I thought it'd be fun to, to give it a watch. I have already watched it. This first one, if you can guess what it is before they reveal it at the end, you get extra points, all right? There's no points. There's no There's no prize. Um, but oh, if, okay. if you can guess what it is before they actually show it at what, the is end. Is it like some obscure food? 
It's not. It's really not. It's probably one of the most... It's like... <gasps> it's an alternative meal for probably one of the most common and popular meals in the world. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Right, so this is the video. It's one of those classic, Ooh. like, 60-second meals, and they do it really fast Ooh. in front of you with, like, an over-the-top camera. You never end up making it. <laughs> oh, right, here music, it is. Because <laughs> uncopyrighted music is everything. <laughs> Look, it's going super fast, showing off the old cutting skills. I love it how it's like, gotta get it done quickly, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look professional, look professional. Any ideas? Is it like a shepherd's pie? I can see why you'd say that. Oh, simmering veg Soup. is uh, <laughs> not Mashed sure about potato that. potato they're gonna make? I don't know. Save water. Now that it gets blended. Oh. Are you ready? You might, This might show oh, you. mashed potato? Wait, try and no. see what the colour. The colour might... Oh, is this going to be mac and cheese? <gasps> Yay, got it! it. <laughs> Yay, nutritional yeast! Nutritional yeast is like <laughs> the vegan cheese staple. Hey. You just go in, yay, nutritional yeast. <laughs> it's amazing. Such oh, Christ. Dude. I hate mac and cheese. Oh, that's going to be controversial. I'm not a huge fan, yeah. <laughs> but would I eat that? Yeah. Would I eat that? Probably. What are we doing now? <laughs> Frying carrots. Ooh. See, I don't understand frying carrots. Everything Ooh, else is fine to be fried. I just... Right, what's going on now? To be fair, I have watched this, but oh. I've forgotten what most of these are. So, right, uh, tell me, Liam, which ones have you tested? Are you oh, going yes, to bring out a bowl of food for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all waiting outside your door right now. They're going to come in and you, like, taste <laughs> test them. For me... This meal mm -hmm. is ruined after they put the zucchini in it. Because I just... Oh, I hate. like zucchini. It's just so watery. Oh. Minestrone, of course. Look at that Look at bad jackfruit. boy. jackfruit. Where, where'd you get a jackfruit? It's on a student budget. <laughs> I thought it was a student-friendly vegan dinner. What the Have hell is it? Have you ever tried jackfruit? Have you ever tried it, Liam? Jackfruit. No, I haven't. It's Okay, so I tried it in Uganda, and it is amazing. It's like, oh my god, it's like caramelly. It's really nice. Ooh, easy to, easy to source in the UK? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, like, where are you going to get that from? <laughs> Cayenne pepper, lots of... Oh. Have you ever had an American try and pronounce Worcestershire sauce? Yes, it's hilarious. It's brilliant. Worcestershire, <laughs> you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Can you tell what this is going to be? Because I think this is a fantastic recipe. It looks odd, but honestly, it, I think it's amazing. Is it a shepherd's pie? Done. Oh, barbecue. That looks really nice. They make it into like a faux pulled pork sandwich. It's awesome. Oh my God. Wow. Now that is something I would That looks eat. amazing. It looks like, yeah. it looks quite difficult, but it looks good. Yeah. Ginger. So many fast paced cooking tips here. Oof. But I think what a lot of them are good for is like, it's all a lot of like one pot meals as well. Yeah, true. Oh wow. Miso paste. Are you a good cook, Liam? I didn't even ask. I try to be. I try to be. <laughs> I follow a lot of cooking YouTubers. I'm not going to lie. Ooh. So, oh, wow. Binging with Babish, Gordon Ramsay, you know, <laughs> Alex the French guy. Yeah. Love it. Shout bean out. sprouts. Love wow. bean sprouts. It does look quite impressive. Yeah, see, 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 this is like your classic ramen bowl. Like, don't think I've ever eaten eggplant before. Do you call it eggplant or aubergine? 
Well, I just read it. I mean, it is an aubergine <laughs> as well, but I, ju- I just read the title. <laughs> yeah. I've never had it. But you've never it, tried it. No, yeah. because the alternative for this recipe is basically what they're about to do is they're about to make like the um, like a f- you know you know like potato skins and you can fill them with mm. mashed potato and like uh, like oh like a filled eggplant like food. a filled eggplant yeah that's basically Ooh. what they're doing oh, but wow. the only version of this I've had is 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 with potatoes I love this it- upbeat music. So it's us. Oh, I hate this stuff. As a YouTuber, I've listened to so much non-copyright music. It actually yeah, like yeah. drives me mad. You just, like recognize it like YouTube audio library. Who? <laughs> this is track number twelve. Oh, that looks good. Yeah. Oh, quinoa. So I've got to get the uh, the money shot at the end. Yeah. With Ian. God, this is making me really hungry. How dare you do this cool little I apologise. I had a banana. <laughs> I had a banana before this. You're on it. Lots of onion. Onion is just such a versatile vegetable. Name me a better smell than onion and garlic cooking in oil. Like... <sighs> Nothing. Exactly. Oh, melting chocolate. Hmm. I suppose... Different. I can, I can see that. Very good. Yeah, chickpeas are everything. So easy. Chickpeas and peas. Oh, wow. There we go. Is this the curry that you were talking about? Yeah, I think it might be. Oh, but they've had potato. (gasps) This is an idea. I'm giving you ideas. There you are. Look at that. Vegan. Yeah, see, vegetable is so quick and easy. It is. This is the one that I just... <laughs> tofu is like the one that I just don't get. Like, what is it? It I looks like drywall. It. I think, yeah, I think if people are like expecting it to taste like meat, then no, it's not meant to be like no. meat. But like, if you learn to like tofu as tofu, oh, it's amazing. Mm. What's the texture like? Is it? It depends on which one you get. If you get like silken or firm, and also how you cook it. But it's, oh my god, it's like spongy. Almost. Nice. Sounds, and sounds it can get crispy around the edge, but like soft in the middle. Yeah. Oh, so kind of like what kids. they did with the with the frying it. It'd be yeah. A bit, be a bit like. Ooh. See this, I like this the idea of. It's like a sweet a but slightly. Oh. Uh, yeah. Rice vinegar. It'll make like oh. a syrup mm-hmm. that the uh, that the broccoli goes in. Oh. Yeah. But all these niche ingredients. Out. I feel like I can never watch cooking videos. So I'm like, oh, I don't have. I, what even was that? I don't remember. Like rice <laughs> there it vinegar. Is. So it's so it's <gasps> like. Oh, it looks amazing. It does look good to be fair. Oh. How do you that? It's like teriyaki. Oh, yeah. Tofu and broccoli. Yeah. I love that. I was gonna make that joke. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they can't even think of a recipe name. They've just named the ingredients <laughs> in the food. Tofu and broccoli. <laughs> like, oh, okay. It's like it oh like it god. It's like yeah. this is <laughs> dough, cheese, and tomato sauce. Here you go. <laughs> and together it is dough, cheese, and tomato sauce. <laughs> there we are, tofu and broccoli. What a name! Get the marketing <laughs> department on that. Asparagus. Oh, oh. It's a very green dish. This one. Mm. Cherry tomatoes. Oh, add some colour. Yeah. Contrast <laughs> is key though. Yeah. Oh, green. 
That does look God, pretty good. God, this is good. making me hungry. Oh, See, that's tried. At least they tried. Yeah, they, they did. That sounds fancy. This may be the last one. Oh. Carrots and celery, mushrooms, corn. Nice. Okay, you have to commit to me, Liam, that you're going to make one of these. Whichever one Should I send you, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'll make one and I'll be like, yeah, I, I like it and I'm not a vegan, so you will, so get cooking exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. And then you have to, like, make it for someone who's also not vegan. And, like, and then get, don't get tell them opinion. that it's a vegan meal. Isn't that the biggest, yeah. like trick you, you make it and you don't yeah. tell them it's vegan yeah and you just make it taste amazing yeah, yeah. but like, i'm not that good of a cook so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't want to like i don't know <laughs> diss the vegan name like that be like this is what all vegan food is like <laughs> oh this is oh. like the shepherd's pie oh that looks this is gorgeous. so satisfying watch this it goes to the close-up and it's just like <gasps> oh, oh just oh i love it it's so oh. satisfying <laughs> wow you have I mean, to make this one. Yeah, that does look pretty good. There we go. Bye-bye. That was Watch incredible. More. And they say vegans <laughs> don't just eat leaves, just eat grass. Exactly. Look at that. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing meals. I'm getting so high-pitched because I'm excited about it. <laughs> Are you getting vegan after today? I actually would. I'd go vegetarian you know first. Wait, I didn't even tell you. I, I became vegan by doing a 30-day vegan challenge. And then I just felt better on the diet. Yes. Is that a suggestion? But Do you went research. But you then. were vegetarian for like 14 years, <laughs> so I think you had a bit of a... <laughs> I did have a bit of a head start, I agree. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, do the 30-day vegan challenge. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Such God. A... Vegetarian. Vegetarian. 30-day vegetarian. I mean, I did make some changes. Like, I'm trying to stop mm. eating bacon. I've basically said I don't want to eat bacon anymore. Yeah. Um, I tried some... I mean, you've gone... You were like, yeah, yeah, like, come on, bacon. It's like, <laughs> do something better. <laughs> no, I so appreciate that. I don't know what, I actually... I wish people were more, more like that. Is you know, just like little changes. You don't have to do the all or nothing, like totally vegan or fully meat eating. I think even things like meat-free Monday or swapping uh, like dairy milk in your house to like almond milk, like things like that do make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Just like little starts, yeah. Would you try any of those meals that we just watched at, at, at uni perhaps? There was a few in there that I think I would try. That shepherd's pie, I think, because you could, you, could, you could make that and then it'd last you for like a good few days. Like, yeah, yeah. You put it in the freezer even if you had to. Like, oh, yeah, that would work for meal prepping. Yeah, yeah. And that curry, so easy. I'm gonna that add curry. some would, potatoes. Would you say that? Now. Would you say that was your favourite, the curry? Do you know what? Because I, it's tried and tested for me. I think it's got to be a winner. It's just it's so, gotta be a it's so cheap and easy. You just make it in bulk. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken alternative dinner. There we go. There you go. <laughs> I'm turning into bloody Jack Edwards here. <laughs> <laughs> God, I loved thing. his puns. Oh, I was going to... So, thank you. Yeah, that was fun. I really enjoyed going through those. Um, but this is it. Oh. oh. Big, big moment time. We're going to be building up to uh, to the old ukulele coming out. Um, oh we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm just, I'm just planting the seed of expectation. Oh. <laughs> oh, no pressure. What this is all leading up to about the whole ukulele placement and oh uh, hyping gosh. that up. Don't get too worried about it. Um, 
is the idea of uh, the concept of seeking discomfort. This is a team of YouTubers that I've absolutely adored across the last two years. Um, the, the kind of stuff that they do in real life and the brand that they promote and, and the things that they advocate for are absolutely amazing. I, I love it so much. If there was one YouTube channel that I was going to subscribe to forever and that was it, it would be, hmm. it would be them. Um, you know, just from, from when they met Will Smith, you know, which was an amazing, because mm. that was their idol, meeting Will Smith. Um, mm -hmm. Just witnessing that was felt like such being part of like their family. Uh, they're such amazing yeah. friends to each other. And, you know, they promote, they promote the idea of chasing your dreams and, you know, uh, their, their mantra being seeking discomfort. Um, I saw an interesting post a few days ago, which sort of helped to clarify what perhaps seeking discomfort actually means. A lot of people think that the idea of seeking discomfort means you seek discomfort at the detriment to yourself. So taking that to the extreme of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and pushing yourself is always is a good thing, but not when it becomes to a detriment to yourself. And that's not what they're trying to advocate for. Um, you know, it should be a case of proactively building on experiences you have but not to the case where, you know, it's damaging your mental health or, it, or it's not a healthy mm. thing to do. Um, and I think that from that post was what really stuck out to me. But I was interested to find out, because I, I found out that you were also a big fan. I mean, who isn't? If you've heard of them, they're amazing. But what mm. does, it, does it impact you in the way that I feel it's impacted me? And what does it, what does it perhaps mean for you? Yeah, I mean, seek discomfort. I feel like it's partly become a, an underlying mantra of how I live my life or how I've lived my life post-secondary post school um, in terms of taking a gap year and solo traveling and you know going traveling at all and in the university that I chose and you know even where I'm, where I'm studying this semester I think there have been a lot of uh, small and big decisions which have been guided by me opting for the out of my comfort zone choice and as you say it's not where not a choice where I know it's gonna like push me beyond my limit to where I'm you know, at breaking point and yeah. crying every day because you know I just have to keep hustling it's more okay this scares me but it's also exciting and I know I can grow here and then opting for that mm. instead of just doing what I know will just be easy yeah I think it would be important to to have a dialogue now about things perhaps that we've experienced and I've got a few things to shout out to you, but I'm sure mm. you'll have things to mention that I haven't uh, prepared for. Um, but one of the things that you posted recently on LinkedIn was, and you've just mentioned it, about going to choose to study in Berlin. Yeah. And from my perspective, that seems like a huge thing to choose to do. And it actually ran through my head before I went to university because when I was looking for film schools and places that I might want to go study mm -hmm. film, obviously there was a small idea in my head that perhaps I might choose to go study in America because like the film industry mm. being pretty huge there. And I mean, you actually went and did that, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, so run me through that thought process about choosing to go study in Berlin over choosing to study, uh, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. back in London again. Yeah. 
Um, perhaps I should explain my university a bit first. It's a bit your your, your, your yeah. university situation is more unique than most, I'd say. I guess so. Yeah, just to give some context to that. So initially, I applied during my A-levels through UCAS for, you know, UK universities. I was rejected from Oxford. <laughs> YouTube loves to bring that up again. <laughs> and uh, that was, in my head, my, my kind of dream university. And I was devastated after rejection, after interview. And yeah, I, um, I, I took a gap year. I was working out kind of what I wanted to do with my life. And during my gap year and during all my travels, I just started to feel like I wanted more out of university, but I didn't necessarily know what that more was. Yeah. So I realized that through traveling, I was learning so much from just meeting so many international students and international people even, and uh, learning about different cultures. And um, like I love learning. And then I found out about this university where it's like an entirely international cohort. Like there's not one dominating um, nationality. Yeah. And across the four years of the degree, you live in seven different cities around the world, which was just the craziest concept to me. Wow. And, and you move with the same cohort, the same university cohort. And uh, it's a US-based institution. Institution. So I spent the first year of my degree in San Francisco. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... So, so with coronavirus, I was meant to be going to Seoul in South Korea in September, wow. which isn't happening. No, so, I suppose not. Yeah. But then I was given this choice between uh, staying in London, doing the semester in London with all classes being remote or heading to Berlin. And normally in the degree, you sort of get the, the cities chosen for you. But there was another, this moment where, okay, Jade, you have to make a choice. Do you stay in London where a lot of your friends are? A lot of my um, university friends are coming to London. I have my family here. I know London very well. Or do I go to Berlin where a lot of my university friends can't go because of visa issues and I won't know as many people and I don't know the language and yeah. it, it was a lot scarier of an option, especially with the current climate. But I think when I was assessing it all, the fear wasn't a stupid, irrational fear. Like they're doing very well with COVID, for example. Like it's not like I'm being irrational. It was more a comfort zone thing. Mm. And if anything for me is a, is a comfort zone thing and I feel in a good, men good enough mental state for growth, then I should just do it. So I went for Berlin and that's where I'm going to be heading in September. I mean, you won't know until you get there and you start experiencing it, what, how, you will, uh, how you will react. Um, that is true. Maybe I'll check up on you in later time and see, and see, what, and see what's going on. <laughs> I'll be like, I regret it, Liam. <laughs> Take me back to London. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about quickly mm -hmm. the Minerva Project because that's what it's called, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it did. When I first researched it, it did sound a bit odd, like compared like to normal universities. Oh, yeah. It, it sounded a bit like <laughs> I was just making a joke about the fact that it sounded a bit like point blank, where it's like the French school where loads of like really rich, influential children go and like become molded into like, you know, <laughs> like scary, like bloody, I don't know, people that could take over the world. <sighs> It did. It does sound a bit like because the way they market it, it's like we engineer yeah. intelligence <laughs> in children, and it's like Ooh. it's like what, I'm guessing it's not that intense or sinister. It's, it's not that. No, um, it's not that deep. 
<laughs> no, and um, yeah, and also they have a really good financial aid program. So it's not as, like when I first heard about it, I was like, oh my God, like if, if I'm not going through the UK loan system, like how is this going to work? But it's not like a US based institution. So it's not like hundreds of thousands like they charge in the US. But um, yeah, so they basically were looking at the state of higher education, specifically in the US, and how despite the fact they get so much funding, the way that a lot of learning takes place isn't like the best. Like a lot of the, the formatting of teaching um, is just, I don't know, it's just like, it's, I think the whole, the whole degree system could do with a bit of a shake up. Yeah. And uh, the way they designed it is that there's, so, there's a lot of focus on the science of learning. So they did right. all this research into how you should actually learn and designed all the teaching and courses around that science of learning. So it's kind of like a backwards approach to university because it's not just about the content, but the focus is more on like how you're learning that content and how you can apply it to real world issues, mm. which was quite interesting to me as someone who loves education and um, just, yeah, like wanted to, to I don't know, get the most out of my degree, I guess. Yeah. And that in combination with so many international students and being able to move around the world and having like, for example, we have to do internships alongside our degree within each wow. city, which is stressful as hell because you're doing this full course load and like you've got so many assignments each week. And then you also have to have a civic partner where you like work in the city and like have to write like different things about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this is a massive it. change in your life studying in San Francisco and then Berlin. Um, and you've talked a bit about how they are operating very differently in terms of perhaps UK universities or perhaps universities as a whole. Um, something that I was really interested in that I found out though, uh, which is a bit more on the small scale and it's a bit more about how like you experience that student life. It's mm. living with someone as a, in a room, in, in a roommate, as like yeah. a roommate. Like that doesn't happen really in the UK. Um, yeah, I was dreading it. <laughs> what is it like? <laughs> yeah, so I had not just one, but two roommates in San two. Francisco. Uh, one from Vietnam, one from Nigeria. So it was like, wow. get three continents, chuck us in a room and, mm. you know, see what happens. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're right. It's not very common in UK universities at all. So I didn't really have anyone to even ask about what it's like to have two roommates. <laughs> but looking back, I actually think it was one of my favorite things about first year because you just bond so much. Like, I don't know, they become like sisters almost. Like the two girls I shared with, you just become so chill. And if someone, you know, wants alone time, you just, you just give it to them. And yeah. like, sometimes you just be in the room, everyone quiet or everyone working or, you know, sometimes you you just have impromptu little parties. I really liked it. And I think, especially when uni got stressful, you just never felt lonely because you always had people there who just got it. Yeah, and I learned a lot about both of their cultures as well. I can see that as being an, a slight advantage, not being lonely and stuff. Yeah. You talked yeah. about it a little bit in Jack's book and uh, I found that quite a, quite <laughs> a unique perspective because obviously that's not something that happens very often yeah it's quite it's quite strange i'm i'm i mean it must have been it must have been an adjustment at least but oh my god definitely i remember at the start yeah it was just so weird like i'm so used to having my own space 
personal mm. space. Um, and especially as a YouTuber, like I'm so used to, you know, be able to just like set up a camera in my room and that's it. Whereas now I had to like work around two people's schedules. <laughs> and that was also strange. I have to like set up time and be like, can you not be in the room at this time, please? Thank you. Yeah, and I'm living with a Brazilian girl in uh, September. So that yeah. would be a new adventure as well. It's a new adventure. Another continent. Yeah. <laughs> Another, there you go. I'm just ticking them off at this point. You, is there some sort of like secret bucket list that you've got going on where you're like, you want to... Mean... Wanna... <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. No, that's cool. I mean, it comes back to the idea of pushing yourself and, and, and trying that thing. Because I think, you know, that's something you mentioned about being anxious about. Um, because that's such an un- an unusual thing for people from the UK to do. It's it's not something that I think uh, there's a few people in the UK that I've heard of who've had roommates, but it's not very common. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think even though it sounds like a small thing, it's a big part of the experience. Being oh my god, hundred percent. Yeah, especially like if you have really different living habits. Oh, yeah. Like I was quite fortunate that we were all a bit of a mess. So like, you know, some days I'd go to bed at like 3 a.m. and wake up whenever. And and then all my roommates were kind of like that. Sometimes we'd go to bed at like 9 p.m., sometimes like 1 a.m. And because mm. of that, we all just didn't really care about like the lights being on and stuff. Like I invested in an eye mask. <laughs> I was going to say, to get like an eye, eye mask. <laughs> Literally. So, um, you know, I'd go to bed whenever. And, and I think it, it'd be harder if you had people who rigidly needed need to go to bed at a certain time that was really different to you or were really messy and you were really tidy I can see that being difficult mm. but um going into uni we had to fill in a long form about our habits and I think it's like a matchmaking profile literally God. yeah but it does affect your friendships too obviously like you know in, in UK unis like your flatmates makes mm. such a difference to your whole, whole uni experience but the people you get put in a room with like your neighbors like your floor like that was very formative to people who I became really close with. And one of my roommates is like my uni best friend. So, cool. yeah. I can imagine that would have a really different impact on, on how you have an outlook on that experience. Yeah, mm. oh, that's cool. I kind of, you do, you, you do kind of wish for those different experiences. So I think it's amazing that you've had the opportunity to go out and have those different experiences. And you know, it's quite a, quite a privilege, you might say, to, to experience those different things. Um, mm. it just just from my perspective when I'm when I'm living in because uh, I've lived in a second year house I'm not sure if you've done that yet mm-hmm. um, you have that'll kind oh. of be me in September we're living in okay. like an apartment of three of us yeah yeah um, that funnily enough was the first time that I had to start wearing earplugs because it was just like <laughs> everyone was just too loud and I just couldn't yeah. get any sleep <laughs> But the irony was that, that that wasn't the case while I was living in in halls, funnily enough, because the walls were Why like thicker. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Wow. Thicker walls yeah. or, or something, I don't know. Yeah. But what did you prefer? Uh that is the question, isn't it? That yeah, is the I'm question. sure it's really different. Just different experiences. They're different in many ways. You lose an element of the community when you mm. leave halls. But I was lucky in the sense that um the house that we were living in wasn't that far away from the main campus. So I was walking mm. into campus most days and still managed to maintain some of that community aspect. But yeah, it's just a lot more independent because you have to clean everything. You're responsible yeah. for it now rather than the university cleaners that, that like 
sort of you still had university like, cleaners in your halls oh my god i'm jealous yeah. we did not have that in our halls <laughs> so you're just way you're just independent way way sooner than yeah. i was i actually posted about this on the yes theory facebook page you know yes theory has oh. like a full hundred forty thousand yeah. person group facebook page i actually posted about this on their facebook page because i was like you know what i think this is something people might respond to and lo, lo and behold they did um so basically when i went to when i came to uni i knew absolutely 100 percent that i wanted to perform music live in front of a crowd for the first time that's like, amazing mm-hmm. I, I had this dream in my head i'd grown up watching school of rock i'd yeah. grown up like Mm-hmm. I'd grown up listening to like rock bands like the Beatles and uh, Fleetwood Mac and Led Zeppelin, and I was sold. Like I knew I wanted to perform live if it was the one thing I was going to do at university, and I knew there was a band society at York, so I knew that was where I wanted to do it. Um, and the band society run these things called open mics, mm. and I didn't know anyone because this was first term. I didn't know anyone, so I didn't have a band to perform with, and I didn't want to play by myself because uh, I can't sing. Um, so just performing sure? guitar is, is Do you not. Want to show us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pressure me into singing. Um, oh god, I took singing lessons as well, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> so I got in touch with the committee for Bandsock to basically ask if I could, in some capacity, perform with a band that was already existing. And they basically said, yeah, absolutely. We have a committee band. You can play with us. What song do you want to learn? We'll, we'll rehearse it and then we'll play it. And without a doubt, I didn't, I didn't have to think twice. I was like, I want to play Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. it. It's one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they agreed. But oh, this wow. might be a thing that you maybe relate to. In the back of my mind, I almost wanted them to say no. Because... Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Yes. You like you've done the hard part. You put yourself out there, and if they say no, it's it's easy. It's your way it's, out. You it, it's like I'm off the hook at that point. Yeah, it's like, 100%. <laughs> and they said yes, ah. and the date was set, and it was maybe a few weeks before the night, and I'd been practicing the hell out of that song. <sighs> I knew it back to front. Oh, no. You know, I feel something coming on. <laughs> I knew it back to front, yeah. and you sort of build it up and you, and you and you almost feel like you're living the memory in your head before it's happened because you're like mm. visualizing how it's going to go and i had so many dreams about like mistaking the lyrics or not the lyrics the chords and forgetting how it goes mm-hmm. and the night came and i was standing at the side ready to be called up and my heart was just absolutely pounding like because mm-hmm. this is the first time i was about to play yeah. in front of anyone um, other than just like my parents or, or like the guitar teacher and absolutely terrified and I get called up and there's the guy's pedal board in front of me and I've got my guitar it's like this crappy like 150 pound like that's cheap for a guitar like 150 pound like cheap guitar that I had and I was absolutely terrified like absolutely Aww. terrified like it wasn't stage fright level like I'd frozen but it was mm. just it was just fear mm. fear of like failure like that this was it like yeah like in some in some weird thing in my head where it was like oh this is it like if i fail now that's it you know like people are going to like <laughs> which is the exact opposite of the reality but that's what you build it up in your head 
And I just remember like the singer turning to me and saying, are you ready? And the song, I don't know if you've heard it, the song starts with the guitar. Mm. So it was me leading the whole band. And I just remember that being the most surreal moment, starting that riff. And just like, from there, the whole thing was just a blur. Like, and you did it and it was amazing. And I did it. And, and honestly, yes. it has an iconic solo in it. Yeah. And ripping that solo yeah, in front challenging. of- It's challenging. It was challenging, but the most rewarding thing I think I ever did. Um, oh, wow. Absolutely blew my mind that that was possible for me personally, because mm-hmm. like, didn't anticipate that that was gonna happen. But just such a, such a, insane moment in in uni life you know wait i just want to say can you hear the blender only a tiny little bit okay like, oh, <laughs> put the blender on right now <laughs> okay i think i think the blender stopped but yeah wow no that sounds amazing i'm that's amazing that you put yourself out there too because obviously you're looking back at this as such like a pivotal moment for yourself and like something you're really proud of having done but I can imagine yeah. like how easy it is to just not put yourself out there because you can imagine that worst case scenario happening. Mm. But I mean, how often is that going to happen? Rarely, hey? I know. Yeah. You think so, but, but in your head, it feels like it's going to happen every time you do something that's, 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 you know, a little bit outside of the norm. Mm, definitely. But that ended up going on to me um, hosting music festivals and- Oh, wow for the university um one i want to mo- hear you play you what sorry i want to hear you play <laughs> i'll send you some videos yeah you're clearly like good like actually good you're like oh i play guitar a bit like, you're like an actual guitarist <laughs> i don't like to big myself up but yeah um it went on to me uh like hosting music festivals uh we have a thing called freshers festival and mm. um through like radio I got the opportunity to host and like put together a music festival for freshers coming into the uni of york um and that was just insane amounts of work but it was so rewarding (laughs) we had this guy i've already spoken about on this podcast i think or if i haven't i'm gonna say it again um we had this guy playing a song by adele i got him to come all the way up from london to come and perform Mm -hmm. and he drew all of the crowd away from the main stage of the of the university because Yusu, who's our student union, was also putting on a festival, and and our stage was a part of that festival. He managed to pull all of the crowd away from the main stage to come and watch him at our like reasonably sized stage. Like it was yeah. a professional stage. It had like LED lights, all sorts of stuff. It was mental. And he pulled everyone away and started playing this song by Adele and everyone took out their phones and started doing like the candle thing. Oh! And I literally was just like, oh my God, this is the uni, ma- this, this is the, this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is my magnum opus right here. This is like, <laughs> That's peaked. amazing. Because yeah, even like creating that atmosphere, like, yeah. that's hard to do. That's amazing. Oh, that was, it was pretty, pretty mad. But I mean, yeah. that's what I've been trying to get across in this podcast as well, that I was able to do that just because mm-hmm. I was part of radio and had a bit of a keen mm. interest in music. Like, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't like a special concoction of it was only me who could have done it. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, 
it's something that people can do at this at, at uni and and it's experiences that you know are achievable and definitely yeah yeah so obviously you're like really into radio at uni how did you get into that was that was there a moment where you were like oh should i do this like do i have time for it like trying to juggle everything like what what got you into it so i love it this time like you're interviewing me now <laughs> i'm just interested um so um i'm not used to people asking me questions on this podcast but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, we're off script now yeah so i went to uni and i never ever ever in my mind i wasn't even thinking about it you uh, radio was not something i was going to do I wasn't even really? thinking about it at all. You strike me as someone who's like at five years old, you listen to the radio in the car and you're like, <laughs> mum, that's going to be me. That's going to be me, mum. <laughs> it's like, no. Um, it wasn't even crossing my mind. I didn't even think about it. Um, and basically my stick was uh, a radio presenter with BBC Radio uh, York um, or Chef. I think it might be, it was either York or Sheffield. Uh, and he was my stick and he suggested that I give it a go. And I basically went on uh, one of the first radio shows I ever did was like two weeks after Freshers Week and just oh, wow. sat in as a guest on uh, on the flagship music show at URY, sat in as a guest, um, felt completely out of my depth, like Aww. just didn't have a clue. I was terrified to even speak. Like I, I just, I was sat in front of the mic a lot like this. And I just, I was so scared to even say anything <laughs> because it was like, they were talking about like music and albums that were coming out recently. And I hadn't told them, but I'd never been to a live gig in my life at that point. And oh, they wow, were, okay. and they were two people who literally yeah. their job in inverted commas was mm -hmm. like going to gigs and, and reviewing music. Oh my God, yeah. You like a rookie. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what am I going to say? <laughs> Wait, did they ask you, like, what was your favourite live gig? Yes, or? that is literally... Wait, you're kidding. <laughs> oh no. Did you make it up? Did you lie? <laughs> there was like a proper existential crisis moment where I was like, do I just basically say, <laughs> like oh, I've never been to a live gig and then mm -hmm. just witness them on air. Just have some sort of like <laughs> knee jerk, <laughs> like real. <laughs> or do I save them the, 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 you know, and myself, the embarrassment of, of you know, making it up. Um, I think I ended up to my, to my, not necessarily regret. I think I basically just said, because I watched a lot of live gigs on YouTube. So mm. I basically just sort of blurred <laughs> the line. I've been to them all. <laughs> I basically just blurred the line and was just like, "Yeah, right. I watched that. I watched that Royal Blood set a few years ah, ago from Coachella." Nice. I was yeah. like, "I don't know what I said." Coachella. <laughs> yeah, been to every Coachella. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I basically was just like, "Yeah, I've, I've seen live gigs technically, um, yeah. just just not been there in person." But yeah, um, and that that was my first introduction, and then from there I just fell in love with it. Um, wow. And just it, what yeah. is it about this? Yeah, what is it about radio that you love so much? It's speaking to people, um, mm -hmm. speaking to people who are passionate about music. Because my specific, I mean, through this podcast, I've actually discovered that I enjoy just as much talking to people about their life and finding out things about that as I do enjoy talking about music. Um, but music is fundamentally where it's at with the radio for me. Um, mm. 
I was, and it's just the opportunities to talk to people that I otherwise never would have the opportunity to speak to. I spoke to Blanks Does Music, you know, the guy from... Uh, yeah, the Dutch guy. Yeah, the Dutch guy. Um, yeah. I did a little game with him where the popular thing that he does on his channel that he got kind of famous for was taking popular songs and changing them into different genres. Mm -hmm. So for my interview with him, I decided that I would take songs that he hasn't changed and try and see if they would work in weird genres and present them to him yeah. as like to get his reaction to it. And he absolutely loved it. It was like, he, <laughs> he thought it was great. And, and with the difference with perhaps this interview uh, compared to a radio interview is you get literally, and this was shocked. I was shocked when I found this out. You could literally get like 10 minutes to talk to some of these people. That's it. Mm. You have 10 minutes to try mm. and ask everything you want to try and get as much out of them as <laughs> you can. And and that just shocked me. Like I, I was so not prepared for that. It ramps up the stakes so much more. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so yeah, I interviewed him and it's just interviewing people that, I, that I'd never otherwise speak to. And the people that you work with in radio as well are fantastic and they're all creative people. And, you know, they're a lot like you, you know, that, that, you know, pushing themselves, trying to find different things that they can do and experiment with things. Um, and it's just a lot of like creativity and we're all just, we're all just love making things and love and love, you know, I feel like I'm selling it quite well. <laughs> Definitely. You make me want to go listen to the radio and see it with a new light. <laughs> uh, I mean, Greg James used to be, uh, used to be oh, uh, yeah. in the student radio and he, he did an interview two years mm. ago uh, at the start of the breakfast show when he, when he moved over to work in the breakfast show. He talked about when he was in student radio and how important it was for him and how it affected uh if you haven't heard it you should definitely check it out it's on the student radio association instagram um it's a really good video to watch um and he just talks about like how it influenced him and how it was you know really 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 good uh so yeah student radio man it's it's good it's a good fun it's good fun amazing but enough about me i feel like i've been talking at you for like 10 minutes um i love what it i, want I love learning about people <laughs> what i was excited to do with this segment is you have been trying to do something, learn a new skill, which yeah. is which is exciting. And I think learning a new skill is really important. And we've had so much free time lately. You've been trying to learn the ukulele. And one yes. of your favorite songs, The Night We Met, I believe it's called, um, by Lord Huron. Mm -hmm. And that song was used famously in 13 Reasons Why as well, which I don't know if you've yes. watched. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love I that think song. Maybe the first time I heard it. Yeah, I fell in love with that. God, that 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 series messed me up emotionally. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it got darker. Yeah. I've not seen the recent series. It got. Oh, it, honestly, that series has taken. It's fallen off a cliff. It, it's it it's mental. Like I'll, I I I don't even want to talk about it. It's ridiculous. Um, I'll probably address it at some point later down the line, but it's just a <laughs> mental TV program. They masquerade as trying to create a, a conversation nowadays, and it's not about that yeah, at all. No, it's all about shock. It's, the, it's all about... Yeah, yeah glorification it, it, of it. Yeah, yeah there's, there's some horrible scenes in that show that don't start conversations. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I agree. Season one's okay, because it's based very much heavily on the book, but 
there yeah. are no books past season one. It's they're making the show. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, I was going to say, season one is really good. Yeah. The, the, honestly, I'm not going to be able to do justice about the criticisms of 13 Reasons Why. There's plenty of uh, YouTube videos that go into better detail and people mm-hmm. who've researched it way more than I have. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty shocking. Um, but anyway, you've been learning how to play the ukulele, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, and learning a song for the first time is, you know, on an instrument is such a journey and it's, you know, it, it's a learning journey. It's, you know, um, finding out what you're good at and, and improving and, 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 and gradually getting better and seeing changes. Mm. Have you been enjoying it? How has it been? You, 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 you yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, do you know what? I have never been musical. I've never learned an instrument. You know, like as a kid, your parents sort of force you to do piano or something. Yeah. I never, I never had that. So I, I really, I've never learned anything. And yeah, I just sort of was sat with myself in lockdown and I was like, how is it? You've lived 20 years, Jane. You've not even tried an <laughs> instrument. Like, it's a bit, I don't know, it's just a bit meh. Like maybe give it a go. Um, Do you not think you've done I, enough in your life? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, pick up a new skill. And I wanted to do it really chilled, like not a lot of pressure on it. And ukulele, I feel like just fits with my vibe. You know, you, I've seen a lot of yeah. people self-learn it online. Um, yeah. It just seemed like a, like a fun instrument to give a go. Yeah, so I ordered one online. I think I spent literally like two weeks procrastinating, doing all this research, like what is the best ukulele? And like, <laughs> which one should I get? Because I knew nothing. Like, I didn't know what a good brand for ukulele was. I literally knew nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I eventually bought... Here we go. This one. And it's Ooh. beautiful. Oh, Look at, that is nice, actually. Oh, thank Look you. Look at it. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, but I've been really enjoying it. Definitely. It is like steep learning curve. Even just like all the fingers and pressing down. The it is, I didn't even know what a fret yeah. was. Now you do. But it is a learning curve, do. isn't it? Learning how to yeah, it really you know, is. make chords and... and, and stay in time and make harmonies and things like that it's it's a learning curve it feels easy for me now because obviously i've done it for nearly Mm. like 10 years um yeah you're like come on jade it's easy (laughs) (laughs) this is why because it doesn't matter that i can play it because i've done it for 10 years this Mm. is why i wanted to to talk to you about it and, and and see how you're progressing with it because as someone who has never played an instrument before it shows that it is never too late to pick it up Mm. And it is never too late to try something new. And I just thought it might be fun to see how you're currently getting on with it because you've been documenting your experience and see, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's been gradually improving for the last few months. And I just thought it might be interesting for you to show me as someone who is more experienced how you've yeah. been getting on and, and, and whether you've had any breakthroughs in terms of, are you happy to, happy to give me a few, a little rendition of uh, the night we met, just the first few bits, you know, the iconic... Okay. The iconic sure. riff, as it were. Um, okay. And just, and just it's see. Really not, it's really there's not that professional. There's no you know pressure. There's this one. Okay, so I'll show you. There's this one bit we have to go from here. My finger's here. To my finger's all the way down there. That's, <gasps> not, that's just not easy in like one move. <laughs> so that's the it's bit not. that just catches me out in every, every single time. But we'll give it a go. Okay. Take it away.
And then I would start. I can see you were actually getting into it, and I respect and that. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah, like a clap track, can laughter, just like can yeah, clapping. Like... <laughs> Old Disney show. <laughs> that looks really good, yeah. though. I'm impressed because I can tell you have Thanks. actually improved, and you do enjoy it, and I can tell you enjoy it. I just yeah. Do you know what? It's a bit of fun. Like every, I think the great thing about ukulele is. It's sort of like, I feel like it's a messy instrument. You know, it's just chordal, right? Like, yeah. if you just play chords a lot of the time, you don't even know what song it is. Like, you require the people around you to get involved and sing it. So I think it, it's an instrument that brings people together because it just encourages you to let go a bit and and just join in. And yeah, I, I can't wait for university to bring it and sit in a common room and, and just play a song and start singing badly and everyone will join in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be subjecting all your flatmates and, and the people oh, you live you with know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the night we met by Lord Huron <laughs> every, every day. day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it! No, I'm impressed. Would you say? Would you say apart from the sort of like learning the chords and that aspect of it, is there anything else you've learned from trying to learn the ukulele in terms of maybe like dedication? I'm not mm. trying to put or perseverance because that's something that I experienced when I was learning guitar. Yeah, I think it's consistency even when it's hard. So I think there were times where I just really didn't feel like I was improving. Like the the uh, strumming patterns, and still some I really find, I find really hard. Yeah. And I would practice it every day. And you just don't feel like there's a break, break breakthrough. And when you're at that point, especially because I'm trying to learn myself and it's all self-motivated, it can mm. be really tempting to just stop and not want to pick it up again. And so I think it's important to find this balance between like keeping it fun and just you yeah. know viewing it as something that is enjoyable and not pressured. Um, and also just like making time for it every day. Like I would just put in my routine that like before bed, for, you know, even for like 10 minutes or like one song, and I think just starting it, you often it often takes you on to doing it for like 20 minutes or half an hour. But it's just making the habit that's important. We're good. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. But no, I did enjoy that. I think stick with it. Keep persevering, you know. And I'm trying to hype you up guitarist. here. I need, yeah. I need that. <laughs> I'm trying to get you in the in, in the mood, advice. you know, and 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 it uh, and you'll and I think one thing that I've learned about guitar more than anything is you gain way more out of it than just the guitar. You gain way more mm, in terms of what it can yeah. open up, That's and so you know, developing. And what I did, obviously, with my guitar is a bit of an extreme case, and I I don't think. Or, I mean, you, you, you'll, you surprise us, Jade. You will surprise us. You'll probably turn up <laughs> on some stage somewhere rocking your ukulele. We never know. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, yeah. Look at me next year. I will have written a song which has got, like, two million 
plays on Spotify and then I'll be performing it somewhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> getting it. I doubt that. <laughs> if you do, <laughs> if you do, you'll see me in the crowd cheering you on going, oh. I was there at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I should name it like the day we met or something. It was like a little spin-off. <laughs> yeah, just a slight spin-off. Only, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I feel like we've had a bit of a different experience of uni life and i want to and i want to see how that difference compares from uk to us um someone who is probably more dedicated to work than i am um someone (laughs) someone who probably doesn't surround themselves with like i don't know i've I've surrounded myself with quite a lot of interesting figures over the years you might say so (laughs) i've compiled a never relate to that yeah i know i've compiled a bit of a never have i ever list okay Oh. With the idea being that we're going to see just how different our experiences are. So, have you ever left out plates for more than a few days at a time? Mm. Okay. Do you know what? I was going to say in our student in our student halls, we had a massive communal kitchen for all the students. So it's a bit different because I've left out a plate and had it stolen. So. What? <laughs> I don't know if that counts. So after a while, you it was actually very good motivation to clean your stuff up because people would steal it. Yeah. So I guess if that's a different uni experience, then just a bit. There you go. I forgot to mention as well, by the way, if you can guess any of these mm-hmm. that you think either I've done or you think I've experienced mm-hmm. it or seen someone do it, you get extra points in the oh, ethereal, okay. non-existent point system that is possibly somehow yeah. appearing on a screen. Oh, I see it. <laughs> right there. I'm gonna guess you you have done that. Uh, I'm not sure if Buffy, I've ever. Yes. I'm not sure if I've ever done three days, but I've known people who've left out plates and pots and bowls and pans for weeks. I've, I've seen that, mm. and it and it congeals. I've seen that. It too. goes fungal. It goes pretty fungal. It just makes you want to clean it less. Yeah, it really does. Have you ever drunk text a pizza place asking for free garlic bread? <laughs> I have not, but that sounds very specific and I feel like you have. <laughs> <laughs> I knew someone who did. It was, uh, it was on a night out coming back and we couldn't get any. So they decided to drunk text Pizza Hut to ask if we could get some free garlic bread. They didn't, they, funnily enough, they didn't deliver it. <laughs> yeah, I was going for free, you know. <laughs> Cheeky. Oh, have you ever jumped behind the DJ decks in a club? Yes. You have? Yeah. Ooh. Jade. my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, how long did you manage to stay behind before you got kicked out? Or were you invited? Because um, now I've got to ask, were you actually invited? Were you DJing a club, Jade? <laughs> okay, maybe I was invited. <laughs> this was actually in Oxford. <laughs> this was in a club in Oxford, yeah. Um, so I was with some other study tubers. And like one of them, I can't remember who it was, had just like befriended the DJ. Of course. And so it was, it was brilliant. So I just w- walked over and, and they're like, oh, hey. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> like, yeah, me with my no musical knowledge, of course I can be an amazing <laughs> DJ. Oh, God. Yeah, and the, the, f- and the friend that I knew who jumped behind the DJ decks got manhandled away. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly manhandled. <laughs> I don't think I would do it without being invited maybe as i progress in my ukulele skill yeah i can like i don't know go up to a mic or something and just like hack it a ukulele solo <laughs> in the middle of the club yeah yeah 
God, this is highlighting how different our lives are. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever necked a dirty pint? Mm, no, because I'm really really bad at like chugging anything. <laughs> water, like, orange no, no, juice. Not even, I, genuinely, even like water, like I just can't chug for the life of me. I've, have I tried? Yes. <laughs> tried, tried and failed. That is what we like to hear. As long as you've tried. Yeah. <laughs> oh god dirty pints we and freshest week we like to drink with jade. we like to drink with jade because <laughs> jade is our, our mate but you will always fail because <laughs> she downs it all in eight and then you count down and then it and then you usually fail oh, somewhere around six or seven <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's always that mental person who puts like tabasco sauce in it or something uh anyway yeah was that you no is this, is do this i strike you as that person i i i have i have not drank a dirty pint um I'm, I do not regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever shouted oi oi in the club when an absolute banger comes on? Yes. <laughs> Jade, my man. Oi oi. No, okay, I'm pretty, like, I'm almost certain, the person I can imagine doing this is Eve Bennett. I'm almost <laughs> certain that she's done that. And so yeah. I think I, I think I just like, I don't know. We've had a few drinks, she's like, oi oi. <laughs> And in Australia, um, we we went clubbing in Australia, and like I just developed the habit of doing this. Oh God! I think it's called a shaka. A shaka? I don't know. Shaka. Um, yeah, I feel like that just goes quite well. So you're doing that and going oi oi. Ah, there we go. I have shouted oi oi in the club. Oh come on! You're here berating me for doing this. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah, who are you? I don't even know you anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> Have you ever gone shopping in PJs? No. That, is that where you draw the line? <laughs> <laughs> Would never. Will never. No, I'm kidding. Um, I know. I think it's just because I've, I've got this, like, habit of, Jade, literally get yourself out of bed and, like, get changed immediately. Because otherwise I'll just mm. stay in bed all day. I'm exactly so, the same. <laughs> Yeah, like that's just like one habit. It's like non-negotiable, I guess. We're getting the yeah. garden done. Funny tangent. We're getting the garden done. So there's like uh -huh. builders in the garden. I can't even bring myself to be downstairs in PJs in fear that they will see <gasps> me in PJs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing against PJs. I've been, what? How many people online have seen me in my PJs? <laughs> many. But oh, yeah, not been, to the, not been shopping yet. Have you ever taken over the aux cord at a prize because you're because you claim that the person's music is shit, to put it lightly? I actually don't think I have. No. You're doing well. But do I like my music? Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, who, who doesn't <laughs> like their own music? That's true. What's your verdict on me? I reckon you would because you're, you're so passionate about music. <laughs> So I thought if you heard really bad music, you'd be like, come on. Come on, mate. What are you <laughs> doing? Know, you exposed yourself. Yeah. Tell yeah, me. you're right. Am I right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm unapologetic about my uh, my music taste. Um, so yeah, take that as you want. <laughs> What's the song you're enjoying right now? Um... Black Bear released a new track. Uh, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Glass Animals released a new album recently, <gasps> which is Glass awesome. Um, yeah, I was listening to it on my walk yesterday. I was like, oh, love it. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, 
literally today or yesterday i mean when this podcast comes out this will be uh this will be you know f- fake news mm. this is um, old news <laughs> yeah but uh the killers just released a new album today or yesterday mm. uh which is awesome i've been i've been listening to most of the music on that album already so <laughs> you know it it's come out and i'm like i've heard it heard it heard it um yeah. <laughs> but anyway let's move on um have you ever boasted about being a thousand pounds into an overdraft <laughs> Oh God, no! I have not. <laughs> have you? No. But do you know why? That sounds just <laughs> tragic. Yeah. That is actually a trend at UK though. In the UK, it's like it, it, what to boast about it. I mean, yeah. I can actually see that. It's like it's so bad. Let's just laugh about it because it makes it better. <laughs> I live with so many people That's who wore it like though. a badge of honour that they were a thousand pounds into their overdraft. Wow. That would stress me out absolutely not i'm yeah, yeah i'm not the best at budgeting like i try my best but there have definitely been moments where i'm like oh, i don't even know what i was ended up eating at uni just like like a tin of sweet corn and i'm like there's dinner <laughs> bon appetit um, yeah but no that would stress me out yeah i i couldn't do that either because that just stresses me out too much too <sighs> hope that never happens have you ever have you ever bought food with the express purpose of throwing it at someone? Oh, no I haven't. What a waste of food. I'm not gonna do that with my I'm not gonna do that with my money. I know. It's mental. Why? I'm really intrigued what food you had in mind. Assuming you've done this, which is a very specific question. I'm not so. gonna give it away yet, Jade. Oh. I'm gonna tease you with it's some... like a tin of something. Then you can still use still open and eat the food after. It's like maximum impact. What throwing a full tin? <laughs> or you trying to lamp someone? Yeah, I know, I was gonna say. What is what's the context behind needing to throw this at someone? Is it like so, self-defense? I, I'd hope it's not self-defense. So as I mentioned that shocked you so earlier before, we have university cleaners, okay? Mm-hmm. And every week there is a day when they come and clean. Now it became some sort of tradition. So you threw food at them? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love it how you. I love it how your mind went there. Like, you chuck food at going? them. <laughs> it's like no. No, it became a tradition that the night before the big clean, uh, a couple of lads in my flat would chuck around food at, at each other. Uh, like pasta and you know anything that they could get hold of sometimes it was cereal you know a couple of shreddies you know (laughs) okay yeah no i mean yeah and then and they did they do that the night before and sometimes they clean it up and sometimes they wouldn't and yeah shocking wait so you would have like dedicated shreddies that are like (laughs) this is my throwing food no they would open the throwing cupboard no there was no throwing (laughs) cupboard they would just nick people's food you sometimes it was their own food. Shocking. Um, yeah, shocking. I can't believe that I lived with those people. <laughs> <Joke>. <laughs> this one is uh, one that I. Uh, it's very close to me. <laughs> Have you ever been in a library, and been opening a packet of crisps and wanting the earth just to swallow you whole? Oh, hundred percent. I was in an SF public library and you know what I don't even think you're allowed to eat in SF public libraries I think I'm exposing myself but everyone eats in there anyway and yeah just opening anything 
It's just tragic, especially when you're not really allowed to eat, but like everyone does. And yeah. You're like, oh my God, hide this. I was doing it in the yeah. uni library at uh, York and I had, uh-huh. yeah, trying to open those crisps. The death stairs. <laughs> just looking around at everyone. Just like, I know. Please, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, this one. Have you ever smashed a cheesy chips and gravy after a long sesh? Oh, I mean, cheesy chips, I'm vegan now. So I'm like, oh, just less accessible. But if they ever made a vegan cheese readily available after a night out, you know I'd be copying that. Um, I mean, the other alternative... (laughs) I mean, the alternative was kebab. And I was like, "Eh, that's probably not going to be... (laughs) Okay, I've been on kebab runs with people. I just don't get the kebab. Jade missing out on the kebab. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> but no yeah smashing the cheesy chips that is like the the rite of passage in uh the I north know. of the uk like cheesy chips and gravy oh, after a night out this. yeah and you, you you you're not if there was an alternative that's what you'd go for yeah yeah 100 percent. see another moment where i just feel left out oh. yeah <laughs> I mean, unless it's Mackey's or some sort of alternative. I mean, there's some sort of vegan alternative mm. maybe at Mackey's. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been to McDonald's in a long time. So I'm like, I don't really know. But if there was, yes. But if there was, yes. When, and this is probably the last few now. So we're getting close to the wire here. Um, <gasps> the, the point system has oh, just wow. gone completely out of the window. Um, I think I'm winning. Yeah, probably. <laughs> not that it was a competition, but... When you smell someone else cooking, do you consider stealing it? Oh, yes. Not like stealing as in trying it. <laughs> like I'll go over and be you've, like- You've, you've, you've found oh, a caveat hey. there. You found a loophole. Finesse. <laughs> you finessed yeah. that. Nice no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, you're cooking food. Let me steal your pan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely you've got to try other people's food. And then it's like a partnership because then they can try your food. Yeah. And especially like at my uni, I realized that like normal food, like what you think of like as like easy meal, for example, mm-hmm. is so different in different cultures. Like, you know, an easy meal, like, I don't know, you have, I have some of my Kenyan friends that are making like chapatis. And like, I have like some of my Asian friends with like the big rice cookers, oh. me with like crappy pasta. And <laughs> it's just so different. They're just so looking at you like, try something food. new, Jade. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, come on. And last one, here we go. Have you ever made a meal with some or most of the ingredients out of date. Oh, yes, 100%. Did it taste good? Um, well, I live to tell the tales, so that's what matters. You are still here, to be fair. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would always go to the farmer's market to get like fruit and veg, this was cheaper. And because I bought them often in bulk, I'd end up with like, I don't know, just like manky onions that have gone out of date oh. and like, I don't know, like, like a congealing courgette or something. I'm like, Jane, let's, let's chop it up. It's, t- it's it time work. to sort the life out. <laughs> just the broccoli graveyard yeah. just in, in, in the... Uh... Oh, yeah, it works. Well, there we are. Thank you very much for compa- you know, taking part in that little segment game. Completely original. I enjoyed I know. it. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to come up with I stuff. I feel like I've learned a lot about you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what the main aim of that was to just find out a bit about each other in some of the more relaxed and nuanced elements of our lives, um, making it a bit less serious, you know. 
Yeah, love it. But yeah, thank you so much for that. It was good fun. I enjoyed it. We've learned a little bit. learned a little bit about each other. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. We have got to the end of quite a successful and quite a long episode of, of episode nine. It's been a hell of a lot of fun talking to you. I hope, I hope you've had a good time. I've loved it. Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no, thank you for being on. Because, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been so much fun. Learned, learned a hell of a lot. Um, hopefully, you'll be checking out the uh, highlights on YouTube across the week. There'll be plenty of what we've been talking about on there, as well as on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. You can check all that out. And uh, look forward to being joined next week with the next guest and seeing what we get up to then. So thank you very much for checking it out. See you.